You're listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Again, if you've ever been just in that place of just desperation... Um, before God, you know, that's one extreme. You know, there also kind of just seems to be that extreme kind of in our prayer life and our relationship with God where where you kind of really hit some really dry, kind of dusty, almost boring places with God. Ever been there where you kind of just, you know, you're trying to pray to God and, and you just can't even get you know, half of a sentence out, and you kind of just find your mind a million miles away from what you really should be focusing on. Or, you know, have you ever had those times where you're kind of just reading through Scripture, and it just dawns on you, I'm not even understanding what I'm reading. I'm just looking at words. You know, we all go through times like that, where where just for whatever reason, we kind of just seem to end up on these extremes in our relationship with God. Um, And so again, you know, we don't want prayer, you know, to become something where the only time we go to God is when, you know, our world's falling apart and it's just like putting in a 911 um, call to God. Um, you know, again, it's just w- when that becomes the only motivation to prayer, what we tend to do is we, we tend to kind of get into those 911 moments, uh, you know, and then God kind of comes to our rescue, God answers our prayer, you know, He helps us out, but then we don't really come back to God until we're in another 911 um, mess. And, and, and God's not looking for that kind of a relationship uh, from us um, either. Uh, and so again, we don't want prayer to become something that we feel forced into, you know, or obligated to by virtue of the fact, you know, that we're Christians. You know, Jesus says to pray, so I better, you know, pray. Uh, and I know that doesn't have any appeal for me. When I approach prayer in that way, you know, I just, I have to pray because, you know, I'm a Christian and Jesus says to pray. And there's no appeal in that for me, much less uh, to God. And again, any ritualistic approach... Uh, to God or prayer like that, it really kind of always ends uh, in about the same way. It kind of, it just is dull, it's dry, it's stale, it's disengaging, there's kind of a lifelessness to it, um, and it kind of often just leaves us feeling very disconnected, very disjointed um, with God. And yet I think if most of us were honest, A lot of times, I think our prayer life really kind of fluctuates between those two extremes. You know, I know God loves me, so why can't I have meaningful, intimate, deep connection of prayer with God? I know what Jesus did for me on the cross, but it just doesn't seem to to filtrate or to really impact uh, our life, our prayer life, with any sense of passion or urgency. Again, we can read our Bible, you can memorize scripture, you can sing on the praise team, teach children, but sometimes we just feel so fake and kind of insincere and maybe even shallow uh, when it comes to prayer. And again, the question we often find ourselves, you know, asking is, why is that? I mean, why do I kind of seem to end up at the same place? And I think one of the greatest hindrances, and I think obstacles to Christians, not just when it comes to the pursuit or the practice of kind of a deep, meaningful, engaging, effective prayer life, but again, it's just also in in that ongoing passion Uh, and and vibrancy and that pursuit of a deeper, more meaningful relationship with God. And oftentimes the reason that happens is because we kind of lack a fascination in our hearts with who God is. Oftentimes that's kind of at the core of what's going on when we find ourselves in those extremes is we kind of have, have no or we have very little fascination in our hearts with who 
God is. Again, I look back on my own walk with God. I look back in times of, you know, uh, my prayer life. And, and again, the one thing that really kind of seems to intersect there or to coincide with my lack of relationship with God, my lack of passion or intimacy uh, regarding prayer, again, is there is a lack, there's kind of a disconnect um, in my heart with my fascination with who God is. So tonight I want to just kind of talk about, you know, how do we establish that? I mean, how can we become more fascinated in our hearts with who God is? Um, because once you become and continue to grow in that fascination with God, I'll guarantee you, it will change, it will impact the way you see God, the way you interact with God, the way you engage God relationally, and also through prayer. Uh, author, pastor, and director of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Mike Bickle, in his book, The Seven Longings of the Human Heart, if you've never read this book, get this book. Um, it is, it's a, it's a, fascinating. It's a wonderful read. It is something that will, again, impart some great wisdom, great knowledge for you in your walk um, with the Lord. And he really kind of nails um, this one because he talks about in the book that one of the seven longings of the human heart, and again, this is the way God has created us. God has designed us, and God has instilled these seven longings in the heart uh, of every one of us. And again, one of those seven longings of the human heart is we were created uh, to be fascinated, okay? You and I, we were created by God with a need to be fascinated, namely to be fascinated with and by the one who created us. Now listen to what he says. He says, right now, even this very moment, a drama is taking place around the throne of God. Try to, try to get your, your mind, try to get your, your thought um, life there. Right now... There is a drama taking place around the throne of God. The drama has been going on since um, long before the earth was created. The living creatures, he says, the seraphim, which literally means burning ones, gaze upon God's throne night and day with adoration and fascination. And then he references Revelation 4, 8, Isaiah 6, chapter uh, 6, verses 2 through 3. They peer into the mysteries of God and over, are overwhelmed and awestruck. Isn't that interesting? They, 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 they gaze into the deep, the profound mysteries of God. We are also given opportunity to do that as well. And like those angels who are kind of, again, just fascinated, overwhelmed and awestruck, we also have that potential, we are also invited into that as well. He said, they peer into the mysteries of God and are overwhelmed and awestruck. When the prophet Isaiah witnessed these burning ones before God's throne, the experience left him speechless. When he was finally able to describe this encounter, he gave us insight into what it is like to view the beauty of God up close. And I know somebody, some of you kind of came up in the last couple of weeks wanting to know what is meant by the beauty of the Lord. We're going to talk about that tonight. And there he says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, holy, holy Holy is the Lord of hosts. The seraphim, the beings nearest the throne, continually bow and cover their eyes in response to the awesomeness of God's beauty. As the powerful impact of the revelation of God races through them, they bow and rise up again. They cry, holy, holy, 
holy, which means transcendent beauty, transcendent beauty, transcendent beauty. They are undone with the incessant fascination and the exhilarating worship. They never exhaust the endless oceans of God's beauty, never reach the limit of this eternal expanse. This undeviating fascination is what humanity was created for. We, the redeemed, can and should experience this in great measure in this life and in its fullest measure for all eternity. The fascinating God created us with a need to be fascinated. In every human spirit, there is a craving to marvel. We long to be filled with endless praise and wonder. God placed a sense of wondering in the core of our design. Now, I, I could stop here tonight and just give you what I read to you. And I believe you would just be greatly blessed to just take and just read and just meditate on those words there that he wrote. That, that just, that fills me with just a sense of awe when I read those words. It, it's, it's, it's what we're being invited into. What he's describing there, we are being invited into that. And what we're being invited into is to explore and to experience the beauty of God. Now, our fascination with God, again, it arises from our beholding and experiencing the infinite, the manifold beauty of God. And that is what David was really getting at there in Psalm 27, verse 4, where he says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And get this, to behold the beauty of the Lord. We were created for that. We were designed by God to be able to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, the beauty of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord is to be fascinated, it's to be overwhelmed, it is to be awestruck by the nature, the character, the attributes, and the essence of who God is. That's what the beauty of the Lord means. That's what it is. It is to ponder, it is to look into, it is to dwell upon, it is to meditate upon, it is to experience the nature, the character, the attributes, and the essence of who God is. And that's, David said, that's the one thing, one thing. To behold the beauty of the Lord, it is to experience, it is to partake, it is to be affected by God's emotion, his heart, his desires for us and toward us. So the order there in Psalm 27 verse 4 is first, we just got to dwell in God's presence continuously. We just got to be there continuously all the days of our lives. And just again, to behold, to look upon, to gaze, to just behold his beauty, and then to inquire in his temple. Now again, that word inquire in the Hebrew, it means to look into or after attentively. We're not looking at it passively. We're not looking at it quickly. We're taking time to look into, to delve deeply into, and to look attentively to inquire with great care and diligence to look at with pleasure to behold with admiration to admire that's what that word 
inquire their means. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in the hearts of men. That's why death is such an affront to us. Because within us, there is this sense, this knowledge that we should live forever. We were created to live forever. Every one of us has that feeling, that reality of eternity in our hearts. We know we were not created originally to die. So he says in there that God has made everything beautiful in his time. He has put eternity in the hearts of men. God has put within each one of us a desire and a yearning for eternity. That's why, again, death is so sorrowful. Because it is a parting that God that, that was never ever intended for us to experience. Our beings were designed with a craving that can only be satisfied by the eternal matters of a holy God. To behold the beauty of the Lord. It is one of the ways God has created you to be able to satisfy our hearts and our yearnings for eternity. To know God and feel the love of God. To partake of God's grace and mercy, to experience his faithfulness toward us. These are just a few of the ways that God satisfies the desires and the yearning of eternity in your heart. Isaiah 61, 3 mentions to give them beauty for ashes. Again, expressing the desire of God to impart his beauty, his emotions, his passions into the hearts and the lives of people. Um, Carol, is, I think my Bible, Jim, my Bible's in my bag there. Would you grab that for me? I meant to bring that up here. Yes. Of course, it's my small print one. And now, my glasses are in that bag, too. Yes. I had them on earlier. I got up to the hospital at 6 o'clock last night and got home at 3 this morning. So I'm, my eyes are shot. Thank you. I was reading um, this week, or I, I was reading, I think it, was, it was yesterday morning, and I, I, sh I shared this with Janie. Um, and, you know, again, w when you really begin to experience um, the, the beauty of the Lord, I love this prayer that, that Paul gives to us in, in Ephesians. Um, and it's, it's, if, I'm gonna, we're going to reference this this Sunday, too, so I'll just kind of give you a little bit of a preview for Sunday. Um, listen, listen to the prayer that, that Paul wrote. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. And that's part of what that means to behold the beauty of the Lord is when, when Christ begins to dwell in your hearts, God will begin to give you revelation. God will begin to satisfy that desire, that yearning, that craving for eternity. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's people to grasp. Again, this is part of that experiencing. Listen to what Paul wants you to experience. To experience, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Ever just taken time to do nothing but just ponder on the height, the depth, the width of, of the love of Christ? Just ever just stop to think, God, would you just reveal that to my heart? Would you, 
reveal that to my inner spirit? Would you, would you show that to me in a deeper way? I think that's, that's powerful. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. God wants to go beyond your understanding of his love to where you experience it in your inner being. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Do you want that? I want that. I want to be filled to the fullest measure of the fullness of God. Do you, want, do you want to know how Jesus did everything that Jesus did? And he didn't do it because he was God. He was filled to the full measure with the fullness of God. We, we are invited to experience that. That, that again, that's that beauty of the Lord. Well, anyway, that, 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 that just, you know, I, I just, I probably just spent an hour yesterday morning just praying 16 through 19. I just, I just took time and I just went through that. If it was word by word, phrase by phrase, and it's just like, God, I just want that to sink into my heart. I want these words to wash over my spirit. God, would you just infuse me? Would you just fill me? God, would you just penetrate my heart and my spirit with this? Now, that's, that's what this is about. It, it's, it's just getting yourself in a place and a position where God can just really begin uh, to speak to you. One time, uh, we pastors were, were studying on the attributes of God, and uh, the guy who was leading the study, a guy by the name of uh, uh, um, Stuart Graves, he made this statement, and I, and I loved it, and I, I've always, always thought about that. And he uh, said, people with beauty live beautiful lives. Isn't that, I mean, when, when God begins to just, when that, that, that fullness of God just begins to dwell in you, I mean, when you really begin to experience the height, the depth, the width, the length, the breadth of God's, of the love of Christ, I mean, you just, you will become, you will be transformed into uh, a, a beautiful life. And, and I just love, again, when he says there, uh, you know, people with beauty live beautiful lives. And again, it's one of the ways that we can express or make God known to other people. When I am expressing or when that fullness of God is kind of just flowing out of me, um, again, uh, people... Uh, begin to see God in you. Um, and, and we become what Paul calls that living epistle that is, that is seen and read of all men. Our lives become, again, a reflection of what we are beholding. We talked about that principle last week, beholding and becoming. What you behold is what you become. And when you behold the beauty of the Lord, Okay, you are going to be transformed into uh, something beautiful. Psalm 149, verse 4 says, the, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Salvation is an eternal matter that satisfies the eternity, again, that God has placed within each one of us. One of the ways that God imparts his beauty to us is through salvation. If you are born again, God has imparted a measure of his beauty to you through that experience of salvation. Nothing will infuse your desire, your pursuit, your passion for relationship with God more than beholding and uh, just, again, meditating, looking into 
you know, peering into his beauty. And again, just allowing your heart to just become occupied and, and just to become ablaze a, a with, again, the beauty of God uh, and just become fascinated by him. Again, the problem for many of us is we want to engage God uh, in our relationship with him and through prayer lacking any occupation or fascination with him. I mean, we, we come into it dry, there's no desire, there's really no heart to seek or to know God more deeply, to experience his presence. There's no fascination um, there. And, and that just becomes, uh, it, it's part of why we disengage. It's why we're, we're kind of dry. We wonder why our prayers, you know, are so dry and, and ineffective. It's because our hearts lack the pleasure that God created us to contain. Our hearts lack any sense of fascination with him um, or admiration of him. And so the boredom in our prayers is really our boredom with God. You know, our, our, our lack of engaging in spiritual things, it, it, again, it, it, it's the foundation of that is our lack of admiration um, with God. It's our inability um, or just our unwillingness to behold his beauty, to inquire, to, I mean, to, to delve into, to look into, to take time, to set time aside, to get alone with God and just say, God, would you just reveal yourself? Would you speak to me? God longs to fascinate your heart with wonder, with his beauty. It becomes the catalyst. It's the foundation. It is the gateway to a deeper, greater intimacy and more effective prayer life bar none remember the disciple john who wrote the gospel of john all the other disciples remember were martyred uh, because of their faith their witness in the lord jesus christ john um, was banished to the island of patmos and again i said you know, think of you know the island of alcatraz you know um, it, that's basically what it was it was it was a very very uh heavy labor uh kind of prison um, and it was a place like Alcatraz. And um, he's a prisoner there, and, and he is under you know, severe punishment, um, harsh labor. And while he's in prison there, you remember that he has a vision. Um, and it's a revelation that God tells him to record there um, all that he sees and hears. And that revelation became the last book of the Bible. And in Revelation chapter 1, you go back and read that, you find John is in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he hears this voice behind him, and he said, it sounds like a trumpet. Um, and he said, the voice that John hears is the voice of God, and that voice begins to instruct him to write down what he hears, because God's going to give him um, seven messages to seven Churches Now, before John receives those seven messages, Revelation uh, 1, verse 12, says John turned to see where is that voice coming from. I hear it. Where is it coming from? And he describes what he saw there in verses 12 through 16. And when he turned to see where that voice was coming, he said what he saw was seven golden lampstands. He said someone like the Son of Man clothed in a robe that reached to his feet. So there was a golden sash that went across his chest, said his head and his hair were white like wool, his eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet were like burnished bronze, his voice is like the sound of many waterfalls, in his right hand he held seven stars, out of his mouth came a two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in all of its strength. Now, as I'm, I'm reading that, how many of you are getting a picture of what that must have looked like? I am. I mean, I, I start to kind of imagine in my mind, as I hear these descriptions the best I can, I'm trying to get a mental picture, an image of what John saw there. And what he is seeing there is he is seeing Jesus Christ in his resurrected, glorified body. 
The prophet Isaiah uh, references that in Isaiah 4.2 when he says, In that day the branch of the Lord, the Messiah, shall be beautiful and glorious. John witnessed what Isaiah was referring to there. And what he sees there is the beauty of Jesus. And you know what? It totally captures, it fascinates, and occupies his heart. That's what God wants to do. God wants to give us that kind of revelation in such a way that it's just going to fascinate, it's just going to set your heart ablaze, and you're just going to be in a sense of awe and wonder at what you see and what you experience. That's not just for John. It's for all of us. God's created us with, with that capacity and that desire um, and again, oftentimes, why are we dry and dull and boring and disconnected? It's because we lack this. As a matter of fact, verse 17 says John's response to what he sees is that he just falls at the feet of Jesus like a dead man. But I'll guarantee you, as John goes back and reflects on what he saw in that vision later on, I'll bet you his heart is just ravaged. I mean, it is, he's captivated, he's captured, he's fascinated by what God allowed him to see in that vision. The vision would undoubtedly propel him to greater and deeper levels of intimacy and relationship with the Godhead unlike anything else ever could or would. John beholds the beauty of the Lord in that moment and he will forever be changed by what he had seen. That's the whole point. Oftentimes, again, we, we kind of race through some of these chapters of the Bible and we miss this. But again, I want you to understand what's happening to John there in chapter 1 of Revelation. Remember, John had a momentary glimpse of Jesus' glory in the Mount of the uh, Transfiguration before Jesus went to the cross. In Matthew 17, remember, Peter, James, and John, they accompany Jesus to a high mountain. And while they're there, Jesus is transfigured before them. Matthew 17, too, records what they saw. And Jesus was transformed before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. Now, again, that is the glory of the Lord momentarily breaks out in Jesus. I mean, it, you know, it, it, his... his Flesh, his human flesh is kind of keeping that veiled, but at the Mount of Transfiguration, there's just this moment where the glory of God just kind of sneaks out, and, and, and Peter, James, and John get to see this. So you compare there again to what they saw in Matthew 17 to what John then goes on to see in Revelation chapter 1, and he sees basically the same two things, okay? His garment and his face shining like the sun. Only in Revelation, you get the sense that John sees this again there in Revelation in greater detail. John sees a garment both in Matthew 17 and Revelation 1. Only John begins to describe the garment there in Revelation chapter 1 with greater detail. John sees Jesus' face in Matthew 17. He said it shines like the sun. While in Revelation 1, John sees the same thing, only he describes it as being even brighter, like the sun shining in all of its strength. So again, what John sees there in Matthew 17 momentarily, uh, and, and he sees it again in Revelation 1. But what he sees there in Revelation 1, he kind of sees that with greater detail. So you can kind of just see how, how God's taking that, uh, that what happened there in Matthew 17, and he's kind of just expanding that a little. And my guess is, is, is that God would just continue to expand that. Why? Again, he, he's wanting to fascinate the heart of John. He's wanting to captivate uh, John's heart. God wants to do the same thing with you and I. I, I mean, and again, it, it's oftentimes God just going to start in, in, in little ways. It'll seem big to you, but it, 
it's just like, you know, God's kind of looking at that like going, oh man, you just don't realize how little this is. And you don't realize how much more I want it. And so God just begins to kind of expand on that. And that's what was happening here with John. God wants to do that with you. God wants to do that with me. Janie and I, um, Janie's mom died when she was 51. And I will never, ever forget this experience. It was one of those times where I felt the, I mean, felt like the, the heavy presence of God. We were praying for her mom um, in her room. And I remember I was, I was at her mom's bed. Uh, her mom was dying of cancer. And I remember just being right by her bed. And we were just praying there. And all of a sudden, there was just this came in that room. And it, it, I have never felt such a heaviness. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like a crushing heaviness. It was just kind of like, you're, I'm wearing this. Um, and, I, and I said right away to her mom, do, do you feel this? God is here. And it was one of those things. It, it, it didn't last long, but it was one of those things that um, we walked out of that room. Uh, I, I was going back. We, our, our boys, I think we had like two, two or three of our boys at that time. were really, really small. And I was staying out at a campground, and Janie was staying with her sister in the apartment where her mom was. And I remember going out of that room, and I'm not kidding you, I had to lean up against a wall for about a half hour because it was hard to move. I couldn't lift my arms. Um, and everybody in the room had that same experience. We just, you, it, it was momentary, but it was just one of those things that you knew you were in the presence of God. Um, I, I, mean, I always think, man, I, I want to experience that again in even greater measure. Um, but again, that, God wants to do, he wants us to experience him in such a way that you're just, that it, it, it changes you. Um, so again, uh, that's, I, I've had that experience, you know, where, where you just feel that, and you're like, oh, that was just incredible. I'll never forget that, you know, and, and just like, God, have more of that. Um, and so again, my point here is I believe, again, as we just delve, as we just really pursue, we just go after God um, and, and just desire a greater walk, greater intimacy, a deeper relationship with Him, He will release greater and deeper revelation of His beauty, His glory, His awesomeness, and His splendor. And God will do that as a means, again, of fascinating our hearts with Him. Now, I'll tell you what, when you become fascinated with God, you know what, you just want more. You're just drawn toward Him uh, in, 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 in easier, in, in simpler ways. It, it doesn't take much. Uh, God, it's, it's just like a magnet, you know. You just, man, I want more of that. And, and there's just this craving uh, to experience more of that. Uh, and again, the revelation, the discovery, study, experience of God's beauty, it takes time. It takes time. The revelation, uh, it will come slowly for all of us. Again, it's kind of like just peeling back those layers on an onion. And again, as we just continue to seek after God, again, with just open, expectant, hungry. You know, uh, uh, blessed are the hungry for, for he's going to satisfy you. You know, blessed are, are the thirsty. You know, God wants us hungry and thirsty for more of him. And so again, as we just kind of come to him with open, expectant hearts, he, he just peels away more and more of the layers of who he is. And, and we're able to, to peer into that, to look into that, to experience that, again, to be changed um, by that. Another key benefit of our hearts being fascinated with God is, is you know, we can resist temptation. I mean, you'll, you'll overcome, you know, our weaknesses better and more victoriously and more quickly when our hearts are just fascinated um, and occupied by and with God. So again, if you're here um, tonight and maybe you're, you know, struggling with temptation and you're trying to overcome kind of a very weak area uh, in your life, uh, just again, begin to pursue God and, and just allow your heart to be fascinated with Him and by Him. 
Um, beginning in Revelation 4, verse 1, again, uh, it says, John looks and he sees a door standing open in heaven, and that same voice he heard there in chapter 1 tells him to come up, and I'm just assuming John enters through the door, uh, open door he sees there. In Revelation 1, John sees the Lord Jesus Christ in his beautified, glorified, resurrected body, and in Revelation chapters 4 through 5, John sees the beauty realm, <laughs> the dwelling place of uh, God, and so John walks through that open door, sees the throne in heaven, the one who sat upon it, and he describes the one who sat upon it, uh, that it was like jasper and sardius stone, again, meaning it was, had a, a deep red translucent uh, color just kind of emanating from that. Uh, John sees a rainbow around the throne um, emitting an emerald-like appearance. Uh, he sees 24 thrones. Again, they're positioned around the one throne, and upon those 24 thrones sat the 24 elders. They're clothed in white garments and golden crowns upon their heads. And again, as, I'm, as we're talking about this, do you just get a mental image of that? Just begin to kind of see and, and allow God to begin to, to, to give you a picture of what that would look like. Again, I'm not going to go into everything that John saw there. Again, I would encourage you, again, just take time to read that. And just, again, allow God to fascinate your heart with that. My point here being is what John sees there in Revelation 4 through 5 is, is, is the highest revelation of God's beauty, his majesty, his glory, and his splendor in all of Scripture. It's an awesome, um, it's just, again, it's just an awesome um, portion of scripture to just meditate and to focus on. John sees all of this while a prisoner on the island of Patmos doing hard labor. And to think about that. I mean, life doesn't get any worse than that, I don't think. Can you imagine what this revelation, the effect of what he had seen, what that must have done to him? I can almost see him at this prison on the island, Patmos doing, you know, all of this hard, hard labor, you know, body aches and bruises and cuts maybe all over his body and, you know, just the, the, the poorest of conditions. And he's just walking around with just this big smile on his face. He's so happy. People are probably looking at him like, what is wrong with you? You lost your mind. Can't you see where we're at? Can't you see what's going on around you? Ah, I've been in the presence of the Lord. I love that. Again, why? Because his heart, his spirit, had been captivated, occupied, and fascinated by the incredible beauty of God. That vision, that revelation, it sustained, it comforted, it encouraged him through his ordeal and his imprisonment there on the island of Patmos. Folks, if, that, if it could do it for him, it could do it for us. When we allow God to captivate and fascinate our hearts and our spirit through the revelation of his beauty, it'll just, it's just going to lift you. It'll, it's just going to usher you into a place of just, again, peace, contentment, comfort, hope, encouragement, regardless of what's going on around you. You know, again, as we were just, you know, around Jean's bed last night, you know, I mean, you can sit there and look at, you know, who she is, or you can just begin to get a picture of what she's going to be like when, you know, Jesus comes back, you know, her resurrected, glorified body. I mean, it's, it's going to be beautiful. It, it's going to be that way for all of us. And so again, it's just, you know, allowing yourself uh, to, to see that because in those moments, I mean, it's that that just gives me such great hope. In, in, in the midst of those um, moments where, where there's death, uh, again, when you just begin to understand and you kind of begin to see what, what God is going to do um, in that resurrected, glorified body, again, it just, you just know that this is nothing. This is temporary, um, and what, what God is going to do uh, is going to be beautiful, and it's going to be for all eternity. So again, as you're reading through, as you're just meditating on Scripture, you know, like Revelation 1 or Revelation 4 through 5, other passages of the Bible that maybe kind of describe uh, and reveal God's beauty. Like I said, you know, just um, there, you know, in Ephesians, 
you know, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Allow your heart to be fascinated, captivated, occupied by that. It will, it will change you. It will inspire you. It will encourage you. It will cause you to desire more of Him. It will cause you to fall in love with Him. So again, just getting Scripture like that, where, where you just feel the Spirit of God is speaking to you, where you feel the Spirit of God is, is, is moving on you in that. Take time to just allow God to just fascinate your heart with that. Um, so oftentimes, you know, uh, that's what, you know, again, that could just be your prayer. God, just, would you fascinate my heart with this? Would you just set my heart ablaze with what I'm reading here? God, would you just give me deeper, greater revelation? God, would you give me deeper, greater experiences of your presence in this? Uh, and God will do it. God will do it. Uh, I'm just going to, yeah, we're almost out of time here. Um, let me just close with this one here. Now, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. There it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. King James Version says it this way, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of uh, to, to help in time of need. Now again, um, how many of you read that phrase, throne of grace, and just get a mental picture of that? Yeah. Yeah, and, and what does that look like to you? You know, have you ever asked God just to breathe on that or to move on that, to, to just fascinate your heart, to give you a picture maybe of what that throne of grace looks like? I mean, I have. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll kind of just sit and, you know, maybe sometimes just close your eyes and, and again, just begin to kind of dwell and just to kind of begin to think on that throne of grace. Man, what, what would that look like? That, that dispensary of, of God's mercy. That throne of grace that God sits upon. What is, what's that look like? Um, and again, what, is, what does that create within you? What does that instill in you? Um, and just, again, ask God to, to just, God, would you breathe on that? God, would you move on that for me? God, would you just begin to give me deeper insight, greater insight into that throne of grace? You know, the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the patience of God, all of that is a part of the beauty of God. And so as you begin to get into places of Scripture where it talks about that, you know, because it, it, it does mention that, that we may receive mercy, and find grace. Again, those are attributes of the beauty of God. You know, God, give me a greater and a deeper revelation of your mercy. God, give me a greater and a deeper revelation and experience of your grace. Fascinate my heart with that, God. I mean, that's, that, that's what God wants us to do. That is inquiring in his temple. Um, and so when, when I, I talk about that, again, I want you uh, to understand that's what the beauty of the Lord is. It, it is his character, it's his essence, it's, it's uh, his uh, attributes. Um, and again, just begin to explore those and, and ask God to help you explore those um, at a deeper level. Okay, uh, we're, I think you got the point, right? Somebody said, land the plane. Okay, let's pray. Father, we just so much, so much love you. We adore you. We thank you. We thank you, God, that you are a good, a gracious, a loving, a patient, merciful God. And, 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 and you long to reveal yourself to us. You long to just again fascinate and just to captivate and to occupy our hearts, our spirit 
by who you truly are. So Father, I just pray, Lord, that wherever we may be, that God, you would just meet us in that place. That God, you would just begin to give each of us just a glimpse, a glimmer, just to be able to begin to peer into that. And that God, as we look into that, Lord, again, that it would just capture our hearts. And that God, it would kind of be the catalyst to create in us a desire to just really want to go deeper, a sense of wonder at what else is there. What more do you want to show me, God? Just again, this sense of just abandoning ourselves and getting lost in you. So Father, I just pray, Lord, again, that you would just reveal that God, through your word, through your Holy Spirit, that Father, you would just begin to, again, release your presence. God, that you would just begin to speak to us. And God, just draw us ever deeper into your character, into your attributes, into the very essence of who you are. Lord, we long to know you. We long to just set our gaze upon you. To just behold the beauty of the Lord, as, as David talked about there in Psalm. God, would that just be our prayer, God? That we want to just behold your beauty all the days of our lives, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, that you desire, God. You, you want that for us as well. And so, God, we just meet you. We ask you. We surrender ourselves to you, God. And, and Lord, just ask that you would just lead us and take us to that place. We just again thank you for your word. We thank you again for the revelation, Lord. And just pray that you would use that as, as again, seed in our heart, God, that that would just take root and begin to bear much fruit. For you, for your kingdom. And we just thank you for all of this. And Father, we also just we pray for the Holman family, Father. We just pray, Lord, that you'll just be with them in just a very sweet and just a very gentle, just a beautiful way, God, that they would just sense your presence uh, as they, again, just celebrate the life of Gene, as uh, they come to terms with uh, their loss in that. Father, I just pray, Lord, that your presence would, would just begin to flow into and fill up uh, those places, um, uh, again, of sadness, uh, that sense of loss, God, that you would just begin to uh, invade uh, their hearts and their spirits with your love and your mercy, with your grace and your kindness. And Father, we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.